was a, yeah, I think, a very meaningful time with the Lord, singing worship and uh, all that came out of that. If you weren't here this morning, um, last week rather, uh, we started um, going through the book of Jonah. Um, we all know that um, the story of Jonah, we know the story of Jonah because he got swallowed by fish. And uh, kind of, uh, for, that, for some people, that's where the story stops. And uh, some people have asked the question, is this just a, a story that is told in the Bible to convey a truth? Or is that a real event that actually took place? And uh, Jesus actually, when he was preaching one day, speaks about this as being a real event. For Jesus, it was a real event that, that somebody was swallowed by a fish, lived for three days, got spat out on the other end, and it was true. It actually worked because God does miracles. And so what Jesus was saying, if you're looking for a sign, there's the sign of Jonah. And the sign of Jonah is here's somebody that was in the belly of a fish for three days, survived that, and came through it. In the same way, I will be crucified and be dead for three days, and I will rise again on both our miracles, you see. So, so he reminds people of the, the miracle of, of, that took place with Jonah. Now, last week uh, when we started uh, going through Jonah in chapter 1, we discovered that there maybe and often are times when God asks us to do something where we disagree with God. There are times when he's going to ask you and he's going to ask me to do something and I'm saying, Lord, but you know, I don't see myself being the answer to that. I don't see myself being involved in it. I don't see how anything good can come out of that. And so you remember what happened to Jonah? Instead of going to Nineveh, in Assyria, Jonah jumped on a boat uh, in Joppa and headed off in the opposite direction. In fact, he was trying to get about 500 kilometers away from uh, where, where God had spoken to him uh, previously. And then we find ourselves, uh, we found uh, that Jonah uh, found himself in, uh, I guess the word deep water might be a bit of an exaggeration, but, but, but what happened is, is there is a storm. And a storm begins to brew, and initially Jonah is fast asleep in the bottom of the boat. And then uh, the sailors come and they wake Jonah up and say, look, you need to be praying. If we're praying to our gods, at least you should be praying uh, to your God as well. And the, and the thing that struck me about that is that this storm was not merely the consequence of disobedience. The storm was God's intervention in Jonah's life. And here's the reason God intervened. God saw that Jonah had embraced something that was going to affect what God was going to do in Nineveh. And so the storm is God getting Jonah's attention and saying, Jonah, what I expect from you when I speak to you is unreserved obedience. And, and the reason I share that with you this morning is because it is always through our obedience that God works. God does not choose to bypass His people, but God works through His people when they are obedient. God works through my life when I'm obedient. God works through your life when you're obedient. And God may not be saying to you to go to Nineveh, but what is God saying to you? 
What has God said to you with regards to your family? What has God said to you with regards to your kids? What's God said to you with regards to your money? What's God said to you with regards to service? All of these different things. What has God been saying to you? And what I have discovered is when God specifically speaks to us and clearly speaks to us, I'm not talking about we've tried to find something to do, but we know that God has spoken to us. When we choose to disobey, God intervenes because He wants to draw us back and bring us back to the place of obedience. And so that's exactly what happens to Jonah. And so when we get to uh, uh, Jonah chapter 2, we, dis- we discover... Uh, one of the most interesting prayer meetings that has ever happened in all, all of creation. It is Jonah praying from the bottom of the sea. Now, ju- just in case you, 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 you've understood the story of Jonah a little bit differently, what happened to Jonah is uh, when he was on the, the, the ship, the storm arose. He realized it was his fault. He says to the sailors, toss me overboard. And then everybody's got the picture that, well, there was this big fish and the fish was standing with its mouth open, and as they tossed him overboard, he sort of fell down inside the fish and got saved. That's not actually what happened at all. So let's start at, at Jonah chapter 2 and, and, and verse 1 and, and see what actually took place. He said, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. And he said, in my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. And from the depths of the grave I called to you for help. Jonah was not praying inside a fish. He was praying from the bottom of the ocean. It's when, I'm sure, I don't know if any of you have ever been in seaweed before, but he's kind of describing like seaweed wrapping itself around his head. That's quite a scary thing. When you're right down below and the seaweed is is wrapping itself around you. From the depths of the grave I called to you, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled around me, and all your waves and your breakers swept over me. That's called a crisis (laughs) when that happens. It's, it's, It's when things are beyond your control, and things are beyond what you can do to redeem or save the situation. And and Jonah found something quite amazing over there. He discovered that God answers prayer when you're in a crisis. That's why I've called my message. When we call out to God in in the middle of our crisis. And some people who stood in the front here this morning were, were here because they're calling out to God in their crisis. And the wonderful thing that we need to know is God answers prayer in a crisis. And you know what's so beautiful about that? Jonah had been disobedient. Jonah hasn't listened to God, but when he cried out in a crisis, God listened because God is merciful and gracious. That's why he answers our prayers in the first place. And I say that to you this morning because I think for many of us, we try and judge whether we think we are worthy of an answer to prayer. Is that true? You kind, of, you, you kind of have this sort of uh, memory that you, you go back over the last month or so and the last six months of your life and you say, well, I'm going to pray to God, I'm in a crisis, but I, know that I don't think God should answer that prayer. I, I know that there are things that I, where I've been, there are places I've been disobedient. There are things that I've done that, that were not quite right. And so you, you're kind of praying, but in your heart it's full of doubt. You're saying, well, God doesn't, I don't deserve an answer to prayer. You never do. May I say to you this morning, the Lord, He answers prayer because He's a merciful and gracious God. You see, when when you read through Jonah, and excuse me if you're on Craig over there because I'm kind of a little bit out of sync with what you may have on the screen there. But the, the thing that you need to remember about Jonah is this. 
His struggle with God has always been the struggle around God's grace and mercy. He knew that God is gracious. He knew that God is merciful, but he didn't like what that always looked like. You see, when, when God sent him to, to Nineveh, Jonah said, I don't actually want those people to get saved. He said, I don't believe those people deserve to get saved. In fact, I believe they deserve to be destroyed. In fact, the best thing that you could do is if I go to the city of Nineveh, that you do what you said, you destroy the city. That's what Jonah actually wanted. And, and you remember that we spoke about last time, the reason Jonah is disobedient, because he's saying, I don't actually like the idea that you plan to save the city. But I want to say to you this morning, you see, that's the nature of God. He is a God of grace and mercy. Friends, the, the reason we reach out to people around about us, not, is they, not because they deserve it, it's because God is a God of grace and mercy. Nobody deserves His grace and mercy. Jonah doesn't deserve His grace and mercy, but he received grace and mercy. Because God answers his prayer. And the answer to prayer was a big fish. What's your answer to prayer look like? I mean, I could have thought of a few different answers to prayer than a big fish. I could have thought of some different ways for God to answer prayer than for, for somebody to be in the stomach of a big fish for three days and three nights where you're getting partially digested. There's a point that I'm trying to make. Sometimes when you cry out to God, the answer to your prayer is not what you expect. It's different. And I don't know if you've ever been in the place where you've tried to advise God on the best way to answer your prayer. See, Lord, Lord, I'm in a crisis, but here we are. And, and, and I know we need to be specific, as we shared earlier on. But, but sometimes you're advising God. You're not even being specific. You're quite convinced that you know better than God. I mean, I, I have to share this with you, and I need to put it in the right context, but I've, uh, over the last sort of uh, six months or so, I've been having a big struggle with SARS, not because I didn't pay my taxes. Let's just clear that one up. But, but, but I've been trying to just get some movement over there, and every time I've done that, it's come back, there's been nothing that's happened. And, 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 so I, and for me, it's, it got into a place where it started to become quite a crisis. And so I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, I, you know what? I've got this thing going on and pray about even these things. And I said, Lord, you know, can you sort it out for me? Can it go away? Are you all laughing because you know that's not going to quite happen that way. But it, it was an interesting thing for me. As I, as I was really praying through this, I sensed that God saying this to me. Saying, he, say, he was saying to me, John, this is more about your heart than it is about the issue. And, and as I started to become aware of what God was saying, I said, okay, God, if it's about my heart, then give me the right heart for the situation. And, and when I speak to one of the SARS people on the phone, I want to pray that you, I have favor and Lord, my heart will be right. I want to tell you something. When I got off the phone that day, I thought I'd spoken to an angel. No, no, genuine. But I also want to say to you, my heart was in the right place. Because I really felt like giving them the guns. You know what that means. When you want to rev up somebody for you, you're just like frustrated. And I just saw, in a, and, I, and I had to realize that God sometimes answers prayer a little bit differently to what we would like to prescribe. And so for, for Jonah, the answer to his prayer is a fish that comes and swallows him for three days and for three nights. And with that, I'll try and find my way back into my notes. I think the point that I want to make is this. We do not pray and ask God 
when we pray because we deserve it, but because He is gracious and kind. That's the bottom line here. Yeah, James chapter, uh, Craig, maybe you can find these verses. Uh, James, uh, in James chapter 5, James says, ask this question. Now, James is all about how to put your faith into practice. James is, he says, anybody of you in trouble, he should pray. If, if, if you're in, in a time of crisis, if things are going down in your life, then you should pray. Well, Paul, when he was writing to the Philippians, he spoke about uh, the fact that we often get anxious about many things. He said, well, if you're feeling anxious about things, uh, uh, what I want you to do is to pray. And somewhere else in, in Thessalonians, Paul says, well, you need to pray all the time. And something that I've, that, that has sort of struck me is that I think some of the, the mess and the struggles that we're in is due to some bad choices that we've made. It, it, you know, you make bad choices. You, you do things that are unwise. I think even some of what we are facing in our nation at the moment has been because of some really bad choices that have been made. There are two things that we can learn from Jonah's prayer, and I want to touch on them very briefly. The first one is how God answers prayer when our hearts are in the right place. Verse 3 says, You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled around me, and all your waves and breakers swept over me. And I said, I've been banished from your sight, and yet I will look again towards your holy temple. And God answers prayer because Jonah turns back to God again. I don't know if you've noticed that some people do strange things when they're in a crisis. Sometimes people bargain with God. God, if you will do this, then I will do that. God never answers prayer because of you bargained with Him. Sometimes we, we, we try and justify our behavior. We say, well, you know, this, this can't possibly because of, be because of my behavior. You know, I, I've got good reason for what I've done. Friends, in the sight of God, you've never got good reason for what you've done. And here's the turning point for Jonah. When he stops running and he starts taking responsibility for his actions. Jonah says to the sailors, Throw me overboard. You know what he's saying? I take responsibility for my actions. You're in a storm because of what I've done. Throw me overboard. Why was Jonah saying that, saying that to him? I take responsibility, but I also know the God into his hands I will fall. I want to say this to you. When we take responsibility, we say, God, I'm willing to face up to what I've done. You also need to know you fall into the hands of a loving, gracious, kind God. It's always going to be that way. Because sometimes it's hard to take responsibility. It is, it is not always easy. You remember the story of the prodigal son. The story of the guy that really messed up badly. What struck me about that story is when he comes back, in his mind is this, Lord, 
not Lord, rather, Father, when I get home, Father, if you will just make me one of your hired servants, if I can sleep in the servants' quarters, if I can, if I can just wait on tables, if I can just have a place to put my head and a meal on, the, I'll be happy with that. And when his father sees him, his father embraces him. And he says, put a robe on my son, put a ring on his finger, put shoes on my, his feet, and we're going to be celebrating for my son who was lost has been found. He didn't take him from sonship to servanthood. He took him from sonship to sonship. You see, when God restores, he restores us as sons. How God answers. And the second is, is this, that God's love and grace exist alongside of His discipline. Because God disciplined Jonah does not mean He was not at the same time loving and gracious and kind to him. Remember Hebrews chapter 12. Okay, can you find that one there? Hebrews 12. There it is. Have you forgotten the word of what? Encouragement. Encouragement. That addresses you as sons. Here's the word of encouragement. You are my child. And I, you need to be encouraged that you are my child. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. Discipline is evidence of love. Isn't it true that to say that sometimes we need to change our perspective of God? For some people, it, there's a sense of if I step out of line, I'm going to get it in the neck from God. Friends, that's not the nature of God at all. That is not a picture of sonship. In Hebrews 4, we're encouraged. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And the most beautiful part of this whole story, after Jonah's been in the storm, after Jonah's been at the bottom of the sea, and after Jonah's been in a fish for three days and three nights, he came out of there a changed man. How do I know that? Because in verse 9 it says this, What I have vowed, I will do. Friends, you always know when somebody's heart is changed by what they do. We've all made our promises to God along the way. Whether it is a promise you, you made when you stood up front here with your kids... And dedicated them to the Lord. It might have been a promise uh, that you made to God with regards to your, your finances. It might have been a promise that you made to God with regards to your family. It might, there might be many different things. You, you've made promises to God. Friends, the, the most beautiful place to be is when you know in your heart you're right with God and you said, Lord, what I've promised you, I'm going to put into practice. You see, the turnaround that was going to happen in Nineveh was not on the cards for Jonah. He did not know what was going to take place when he went to Nineveh. He had no clue of what was going to take place there. 
may I suggest to you, God in His wisdom did. And He's passionate and He wants Jonah to be there because He wants the city of Nineveh to discover His mercy and grace like everybody else. And God wanted Jonah to be in Nineveh. And Jonah didn't want to be there. And let me finish by saying this to you today. Often the breakthrough in your life and my life will come when we say, Lord, what I have vowed, I will do. What I've promised you, I will do. We're facing a crisis in our nation at the moment. In fact, I think we're facing a crisis in the world at the moment. I don't know how many of you know Ravi Zacharias, the Christian apologist. I was, um, I was listening to him uh, speaking at last year's Passion Conference that's organized by Louis Giglio. He's speaking to 40,000 young people. He made this statement. He said, in all my 40 years of itinerant ministry in 70 nations around this world, we have never been at a time where people have felt more uncertain of the future as we are now. And I do want to say, I still believe that the church is the answer. He said, and, and I quote, he said, yeah, we can talk about the fact that that God is in control and God's on the throne and we often do to encourage one another. But he said, you know what encourages me when I look at 40,000 young people who are saying, I will to God. Because that's where the difference comes. That's where change begins. When the church as a whole says, I will do what I have promised. For I believe there is a sleeping giant in our nation at the moment. It's beginning to stir. But there's more that's necessary. And God is wanting to catch our attention. And God is wanting to call us to pray again. And God is wanting to call His church to unparalleled obedience to Him again. And then we will watch and see the God of miracles do what only He can do. But you know what? It starts with just you and me. question I hope you're asking this morning is, John, what am I supposed to do? And the answer is this, what has He asked you to do? What has He said to you? What has He said to me? And the amazing thing is when you combine all of those things that He's saying to us, suddenly the picture starts to shape. And the picture starts to form of what God will do when every one of us takes the little area that He's spoken to us about and we say, Lord, what I vowed, I will do. Because you see, I still trust God for a miracle. The, 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 story, the story of Jonah and the story of Jesus is the miracle. The Jonah that, that could survive three days and three nights in the belly of a fish and come and be vomited out on the beach. You see, Jonah didn't look particularly good when he came out there. Isn't it interesting sometimes when we God's finished with us. We're not looking too good on the outside. But we're looking good on the inside when our hearts are different. Because that's what counts. I want to encourage you this morning. God is mobilizing His church and He will stop at nothing.
He will stop at nothing. Now, I want to say that to you because God does not have another way of doing it. He chooses to work through His people when they're obedient. Amen. Let's pray. Sorry, Pam said she needs to add on to her testimony before I pray. I thought I'd add the beginning bit to what I shared earlier about how God provided. The reason why I was sitting in Tanzania without a job is yeah, I'd, um, I'd worked in corporate here in Cape Town, worked for Woolworths head office. I was doing very well in my job, had a company car, um, could buy a flat, had a lovely salary, um, was doing very, very well, and I felt God telling me to leave corporate, which made no sense to my parents. They didn't get my decision at all, and it kind of didn't make sense to me, but I just had a strong sense that I needed to leave. Um, God provided an opportunity to go to Tanzania, and I got an amazing job working for a five-star lodge company, beautiful, got a company car when I was there, company house, everything sorted. Long story short, I was working up there for five months, in those five months in the position that I was doing, just by doing my position uh, diligently, professionally, efficiently, before I knew it, I was actually being pushed out of my position and ended up without a job, which meant that I lost my car where I was living and I was stuck in a foreign country where I had nothing. And at the time, this is the key thing, at the time, I didn't know what was happening. So only a year later, after I came back on holiday to Cape Town, I met up with a guy who was linked to the company and he met with me and he said, I want to actually find out what went on with your position because we've uncovered a whole lot of fraud that was going on. He said, I just want to thank you because by you doing your job diligently and efficiently and in the correct way, you helped us uncover what was going on. But at the time when I got pushed out of this company, I had no idea what was going on. I was suddenly left without a job. I felt embarrassed. I was like, what do I tell my parents? I've now packed up everything to have my life there. What do I do now? And sometimes just by doing things ethically, um, truthfully, with God's standards, sometimes the result is not what you expect. So I didn't expect to go up there and suddenly be stuck without anything. But through that, so I was in a, actually a crisis of faith because I was like, I don't understand how God can provide something and that it all gets taken away from me. But God had a bigger plan and he provided more than for me. So I, the next job I got, I actually I could then afford to rent a place to live and I could afford whatever, you know, like that previous guy shared, he gives you more than what you had in the beginning. And not that it's about money, but it's about God's provision. So step out in faith in your jobs, in the places that you're interacting with people. Do things God's way. Um, and sometimes there can be scary consequences, but God always provides. And He will bless you. But don't kind of take short changes and think, oh no, out of fear, I can't do this. What if that happens? What if that happens? Step out and be honest and faithful, and God will reward you. Thank you, Pam. You better stay up here because we're going to do a song after. So let's just pray for a moment. Um, the, the sense that's come through this morning is, is um, the willingness to take a step of faith. I think that's been the, the theme that's been coming through um, as we um, have been singing different songs this morning. Uh, even through the word that's come, will you, will you take that step of faith, which is also a step of obedience?
Yeah. You don't know what God is going to do with the end result because that's in His hands. What He is inviting us to do is to take the step of obedience and take a step of faith. And taking a step of faith is doing what God has asked you to do because you trust Him. sense that I have this morning this is maybe not something new for many of you that as I've been speaking you've remembered promises, things God has said to you that you need to pick up again and you need to pick up on again Father, I want to pray this morning for the breaking down of barriers. And I want to pray for the things that have held us back for far too long. Lord, where fear has held us back, where unbelief and doubt has called, have called us to, to hold back, when we've been reluctant to trust you and to put our lives in your hands as you want us to to put our faith and trust in you because you're a God of grace and mercy. I pray today, Lord, let there be a breakthrough for us. I believe God will do what He's going to do, but that, that's not the important issue for us this morning. The important issue is the step of obedience and the step of faith. God's spoken. He's spoken because He has a plan and purpose in what He's asked you to do. I ask you this morning, will you respond to Him? Will you say, yes, Lord? Will you say to the Lord, what I have vowed, I will do? This is your response this morning. I trust you will respond to the God who's called you and to the one who's spoken to you. It is not my intention to heap guilt or any form of condemnation on anybody. But I do want to say to you, God's ways for you are right. God's ways for you are perfect. God did not make a mistake when He spoke to you. God did not ask of you anything other than what He knew He could do through your life and what He could do through my life. That's why He's spoken. And I say today, Lord, let your church arise. Let the wind of the Spirit blow through the church again.
Lord, let the army of God arise, empowered by the wind of your Spirit. And Lord, let that army be the army of God that will march through the land. In Jesus' name, Amen. Will you stand as we...